0: It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now your host, Mark Bishop.
1: And it's time once again for another Tucson Means Business, where we feature a lead business businesses I should say in uh, Tucson along with um, the leaders in their field who have these businesses and I'm referring to uh, a fellow like the name of Paul Hardison. Hi Paul, how are you doing? Hey, doing a doing good, Mark. He's a PhD, Chief Executive Officer, and a founding partner of um, a brand new travel concern, because it's not a typical agency. We're going to find out all about it, but it's very special. It's called Trouvet, which in French means a lucky find. So we've had a lucky find in finding him to come on the show today, and he'll be doing his own show, as you're going to be here, uh, hearing on Tucson Business Radio X, called Trouvet Travel Talk, and that'll be a lot of fun dealing with a lot of people who have taken trips and tours. So if you like travel, that's one podcast to look out for. Okay. Also, I have Kathy Winger. Good afternoon, Kathy. Good
2: afternoon, Mark.
1: Kathy is a lawyer, a top lawyer, but she does a lot of other interesting things. We're going to find out all about that as well. And last but not least is a gentleman by the name of Richard Phipps. Hello, Richard.
0: Hello, everyone.
1: Richard is a branch manager and sales leader in Tucson of a wonderful firm called Onin. O-N-I-N. They do staffing. And uh, you been in talent acquisition for what now staffing as a professional for over 13 years i think hands-on and leadership experience in the tucson area how did you ever get into that richard tell me
0: well i started in hr and it's always one of those things that kind of sideways into staffing bringing in talent you, uh, you learn early on in your HR career that if you bring in the right people the first time, you don't have issues later on in there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And Kathy Winger, well, a business, corporate, real estate, and cybersecurity attorney. This is the interesting part, particularly today, who represents companies and individuals in commercial and corporate transactions. Now, cybersecurity, without being a sexist, is that a normal thing a female lawyer would get into? Tell me.
2: Um... No, I don't. I don't think it's a normal thing that a female lawyer would get into, um, and I don't think it's sexist. I think actually the whole tech industry tends to be very male dominated, um, and I do a lot of speaking at national and local conferences on cybersecurity, um, and I notice that there's a big push these days uh, in these types of conferences to stay away from all male panels and to have women represented on the panels and to make a conscious effort to do that. So I think the tech industry is finding that to be uh, an issue, and they're trying to address it, and there are, you know, many women who are in the tech field um, who refuse to speak on panels unless, you know refuse to speak on all-male panels. Hmm. So I think there's a push towards that. I also think I'm a little bit unusual as a lawyer in cybersecurity um, because my practice is transactional. I'm not a litigator. Um, And so my perspective on cybersecurity, what I talk about when I go to these events and what I speak to people about are what a business lawyer wants her clients to know about cybersecurity. So I'm a little unique in that regard, too.
1: My word. And I appreciate the time you've given us today. As well, thank you, Kathy. Happy to be
2: here, Mark. You
1: know whether it's uh, it's been throughout the U.S. Uh, in fact, 35 trips to Hawaii, the lucky devil, or internationally to a variety of European countries, including England, France, Italy, Spain, Germany, and Romania, along with the Middle East, Israel, Jordan. Oh my God, who is this fellow? <laughs> well, he's Dr. Hardison. He has the travel savvy and business sense to lead this brand new company called Truvetravel.org Additional careers in science and education because how does one come out of what he does into travel? So Dr. Hardison is combining all three areas to best leverage Truvet's focus, activities and growth. But our university professor Dr. Hardison earned a university level professional teaching award line 2013 from the University of North Dakota back then. He is also an active planetary Scientist who regularly publishes world class scientific research with an emphasis on main belt asteroids and their compositions. Heavens above, have we got anything coming at us? Can you tell us that so we can sleep at night once and for all? I
3: don't, don't think you have to worry tonight. <laughs> Not tonight. <laughs> Not right. Oh,
1: very nice. You know, we've got a night, Richard. Now, seriously, is there anything out there to be concerned?
3: Well, there are about 11,000-ish near-Earth asteroids that are monitored that come really close. You, outside the Earth-Moon distance, for example, some mm-hmm. come within the Earth-Moon distance, but uh, they have well-defined orbits, and they're being watched, and no collision courses as of now. Uh, if, Although, if you want me to keep you up at night, I can tell you what to worry about. I, I don't know if i would ask him, to be honest <laughs> with you. I was
2: going to say, I could probably <laughs> help you with
1: that, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're a bit of a foodie as well. You have a blog called Astro Foodie. Well, duh. And uh, soon contribute to your entrepreneur drive and enthusiasm. You're looking at uh, perhaps a franchise restaurant in uh, upscale lobster restaurant of all things. He's just done a trip to Maine, I believe. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that as well. What got you into travel Other, other, other than you love personally traveling?
3: Yeah, well, you know, this whole experience is what I call the unexpected journey. So that makes me think of Hobbits because of the movie. Um, I, If you would have asked me before 2017 whether I'd gotten into this, I'd say you were crazy. And it was sort of a confluence of a couple of events that um, made this happen. First off, I really was not terribly enamored with North Dakota and living there. Uh, it's very cold and I generally don't like cold weather and I decided one day or I asked myself one day do I want to spend the next 25 years of my life in North Dakota teaching and the answer within less than five seconds was no (laughs) so that was kind of the start of it and then jumped to summer 2016 and I went on my very first small ship sail in the Caribbean, and we went island hopping island hopping from St. Martin to St. Lucia, and I absolutely adored that more than I ever thought uh, I would. I drooled over that for six months before I did it, and I absolutely loved it. And then six months later, early 2017, when I was on sabbatical at the uh, University of New Mexico in Las Cruces, I received an opportunity to get involved in business, which is what led to Treve. Uh, it wasn't Treve at the time. It was sort of the scattered remnants of a previous company of sorts. Uh, But once I said yes, and I had no business background, I really had no business saying yes, really, I didn't. (laughs) Uh, I I didn't. No business Uh, saying yes, right? Yeah, no kidding. And so once I got the books, which were kind of pathetic, and I realized that the model that was previously used was just not going to work, we spent the next six months trying to decide what we want Truveille to be. And so that's what uh, we became, which is a small travel experience company.
1: Hmm. So the vision is what in a nutshell?
3: To connect people to the world. That's the tagline. And so we have kind of three areas of focus right now. We have our big signature travel experiences, which are all-inclusive travel experiences that we create in-house. And they can be in the U.S. or they can be around the world that we create, we conduct, we host them, and we really try to make the itinerary very special that's something that people won't usually find then the second part is day trips we have day trips in new york city we have day trips in tucson and we ultimately the vision is to have day trips in every state in the country because every you don't have to travel 5000 miles to learn something or experience something new and unique that you didn't know before i mean how many people where have you li- if you have lived somewhere how often have you not gone around and explored your local area a lot of people don't do that just as a matter of fact that they work there yeah a
1: lot of people never get out of the state do they
3: right and they're busy but they don't think about getting out and looking around so that's the day trip idea and the third part is getting into b2b travel services working with businesses to uh, either plan travel events for them for groups for events or to actually put together uh group travel experiences that are for the business or some members of the business.
1: So that could be like conferences or motivational. It could be a company that says, look, i got great execs, but they need a kick in the butt. You know, can we take them somewhere and, you know, yell in their ears?
0: (laughs) Exactly.
3: And, And the idea for that is basically turnkey, beginning to end travel services for other businesses that they don't have to worry about planning anything. We work together and we work to help them achieve their mission. Hmm. So that's the idea there.
1: Fabulous. And, you know, to better understand, experience, and appreciate the amazing diversity cultures, histories, and natural environments. Kathy, a lot of travel. You know, you herd it like cattle. You don't get to see anything. It's mainly just the, you know, the predominant places. That's why I really love the concept of travail. It's going to be able to, what is it, five to 20 maybe, 10 couples? How does it work, Paul?
3: Yeah, that's a good thing you brought that up. This is a focus on small group travel. So we kind of top it out at 20 people. Five is our loose minimum, uh, but top it off at 20, because if you go more than 20, then that turns into the big coach bus kind of tour, and people don't get to know each other. Mm. And so we want to keep that small group feel. And when we we went to Maine, which uh, Mark mentioned, everybody kind of got to know each other. Uh, And one guy mentioned that he didn't really expect that when he went. Plan to travel, I don't expect to make friends with people who I'm with. Well, it happened, and it was pretty neat. As well as eating a ridiculous amount of lobster, you have no idea how many, how much lobster <laughs> fifteen people can eat over three and a half days.
1: Well, in doing my research, Paul, I noticed that uh, uh, they actually uh, went out on the lobster fishing boat. Is that right?
3: Yeah, it was a company called Lucky Catch. Go imagine that, oh. Lucky Catch. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, Tons of flying everywhere today, yeah, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> but it was a, an actual lobster boat. But it was a hands-on experience. We, they pulled up lobster traps, um, got a couple of lobsters, told us how big they have to be if you can keep them. Because there are size limitations for the lobsters. Uh, we caught rock crabs. We caught Jonah crabs. We, saw, we pulled out kelp. And people got the... Get a hold of hmm. the lobsters and it was a, it was a, an experiential activity it wasn't just a stand there and learn it was actually a dude physically thing, handling which was right. really really nice everybody really enjoyed that
1: and then you eat them
3: yeah, so, <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> well that's a that's a good thing it's like putting your hands in the earth you know and rubbing it before i grow it kathy winger is a business corporate real estate and cybersecurity eternity but She does a lot of other things, like Executive Vice President of the Board of Directors for Boy Scouts of America, Catalina Council, and serves on the advisory board for the National Bank of Arizona Women's Financial Group. Ooh, that's heavy stuff. And uh, she's also on the board of directors of the Southern Arizona Children's Advocacy Center It is a member of the Better Business Bureau of Southern Arizona. Do you have a favorite of this lot or what?
2: Oh, no, I could never choose a favorite. Those are really the, the organizations that you mentioned, um, Boy Scouts, uh, the Women's Financial Group and the um, Children's Advocacy Center. Those are really three of my favorite in Tucson. You give a lot uh, of your time. I do give a lot of my time, but the, the mission of... Of each of them is worth it to me to do it. And I'm happy to devote any time that I can to the mission of those organizations. Wow, that's lovely so. of
1: you. Well, you have more than 20 years of experience as an attorney in the private sector. And prior to that, you served as an in-house counsel to a national bank and financial services. That's probably where the connection was, was it? it was. Uh, the company that, uh, did you know one day that you you know you'd leave and be on your own? I mean, it's a big step.
2: Absolutely not. In fact, I I didn't even know that I would be in Tucson or in Arizona. I'm originally from the East Coast. Um, I grew up in the Philadelphia area. I attended law school in the Philadelphia area, and I practiced law outside of Philadelphia for years after I graduated. Um, And that was when when I was an in-house attorney to the bank and financial services company. Um, So I really had no idea, didn't know a lot about Tucson, didn't know a lot about Arizona, had never considered living here for a A second um, that changed when I met my now husband, who right. was living here, okay. um, and I ended up out here. So no, I didn't. I didn't really anticipate that I would be on my own until later years. You know, right. early on as an attorney, um, I liked being in house. I enjoyed being part of the company and, mm-hmm. and a member of the company and the people that I dealt with on legal matters were my co-employees. Right. So I knew them, and we were a team, right. and I enjoyed that. Um, but well, that's, moves, that's pretty uh,
1: pretty mild. I think it's uh, you know another another lady through no glass ceiling. Aid is taking over. You're currently a <laughs> Not solo sure practitioner. About that. Well, yes, it's 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 women's future. I'm telling you. Uh, you watch what happens in the elections, and God knows what else. <laughs> Uh, You do frequently speak uh, nationally and locally about cybersecurity issues from the perspective of a business lawyer and your audiences include business owners like CEOs, CFOs, financial execs, lawyers, brothers and sister lawyers, insurance brokers, health insurance professionals and technology professionals are they clueless or what?
2: No, they're not clueless. Not at all. Um, it's really me. I'll talk to anybody who will listen to me when it <laughs> comes to cybersecurity. So, so it's not them. And really, um, what started me doing that was, as you mentioned, my background in banking and financial services. That was over 20 years ago before I moved to Tucson. But cybersecurity was always an issue in the bank. And in the financial services interest, industry, we issued credit cards. So, electronic data and protecting electronics. Electronic data was always an issue, so I like to say I was involved in cybersecurity before it became cool. Oh wow! (laughs) So then fast forward to now, and it's really become an issue for everyone, not just banks.
3: And so my business
2: clients, you know, that's an issue that they have to they have to face and they have to manage the risk of. Mm -hmm. So that's really what started me talking about it. I realized how things had changed from the time I was in the banking industry till now, Mm -hmm. and decided I had to make everyone aware of the risks that they were facing and help them with suggestions as to what they could do to manage it.
1: (laughs) Well, I tell you what, uh, I mean, Richard, it's become fairly prolific, isn't it? Nobody can, I mean, your banking, uh, any business you run, people's bookings, everything we think about today is online just about. And you just wonder where the devil it's all going to go, because keep doing what you're doing, Kathy. We appreciate it, I can assure you. I'm happy to. Richard, you, you find people to go into these heavy-duty jobs, don't you? You, you? You're a specialist in finding people for the right jobs.
0: That is correct. Um, uh, businesses all over Tucson are always looking for quality personnel. Um, And it takes a lot of time and effort to be able to do that. So my role as a talent acquisition manager, as a branch manager, is to find the best person to be able to fit those roles that our clients need. Um, We specialize in being our client's caretaker. We want to solve that problem for them so they can focus on running their business. It takes a lot to run a business.
1: Well, this is it. I mean, uh, you have a blended family that includes seven grown children. And seven grandchildren. Seven and seven. Seven and seven, it keeps you busy. <laughs> what is it? Dumb question. What is
0: Madden football? Madden football, PlayStation.
1: Oh, OK, on PS4. Now on I PS4, get it. You see, I right. never did it. You know what I mean? I was too busy working.
0: That's who my you... diversion. <laughs> the, the, the mindless playing of
1: that. So who do you follow in the NFL, as a matter of interest?
0: I'm from Pittsburgh, so I'm a Steelers You're a
1: Steelers fan. fan. Oh, oh,
2: Steelers, I, thought, fan. I thought you'd say Eagles. I can't no, believe it. No. I go with the winners. Six,
0: six championship rings, you got to go with them. Uh,
1: you know what I like about the Steelers? Yellow and black, they're the colors of my team, Richmond in the Australian rules football. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Listen, I guess when you first came to Tucson, things were quite different then to as they are now.
0: Very different. I came here in 1967. I remember when... The end of Speedway in Walmart, that was a dirt road. That was a four-way stop, and we used to Roof. make our U-turn and go back down and cruise up and down Speedway. Oh, it
1: was a bug. That was the, the, the end of town. <laughs> and you came from where now to come here? I came from Pittsburgh. That's Pittsburgh, right, from Pittsburgh. Came out here. So maybe let's go back a little. Is a road glide like a Harley model? Is that the model of a motorbike?
0: It's it's the best Harley that was ever made. Really? <laughs> yes. A road glide is made for getting on the highway and Gliding down the road. Oh,
1: lovely. All right. So So you enjoy riding? Yeah. There's another thing that you get lost in, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what's with the ball bit? What's that?
0: Well, everyone sees my ball head and they wonder (laughs) is that by choice or is that by? Um, age of years, and uh, I always let them know that that's by choice. <laughs>
1: now, for what it's worth, <laughs> listeners, for what it's worth, I was asked to ask that. All right, <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't dare. <laughs> so, so what would be your focus then, Richard? Um, I know you deliver full cycle staffing solutions, uh, whether that's short term contract or long term or permanent. How do you how do you work it all out? I mean, you're not really in the temp business, are you? you-
0: Correct. We're a staffing company, and and we separate ourselves from a lot of the temp agencies that are here in Tucson that hire individuals for one day here and one day there. Um, Our focus is to be able to match them with our clients so that they can become a permanent employee of that team. Uh, We therefore um, eliminate the need that the hiring manager has of spending time going through applications and sitting down talking to people. We're able to do that for them and to bring the professional approach to them mm-hmm. so that we match them up with the perfect candidate.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there are a few different ones in, in Tucson, but with yeah. uh, own and staffing, I mean, it's a privately held debt free company. Uh, with You've got something like, what, 100 branches throughout the U.S.?
0: We're actually at 117 now. Right.
1: You're at 117. Yes. Gee, I wrote this last week. <laughs> I know. 17 more branches of them. You are growing, aren't you? <laughs> growing. You've joined the Tucson community with a fresh approach to staffing, all right? Now, this is what what I'm excited about. Same old boring, you know, interviews. What do you do that's fresh in the in the world of helping somebody find a career?
0: Well, I, I mentioned earlier that our focus was, was on working with clients and treating them like business partners. Um, but the, the approach that we take also is to look at our individual candidates as teammates, as opposed to temps. A lot of agencies treat them like temps and they feel that way. Um, so we've kind of flipped the script a little bit. We offer them benefits right after their first 30 days of employment. We treat them as a teammate or a member of our team, knowing that they have full employment with us. Um, and that they're not going to be treated or sent out on a job that's not going to match them or, or be useful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're we're concerned about making sure that they have the tools that they need to be able to perform the job. So we have all in-person interviews. We don't do any phone screening and just send out resumes to individuals. We actually have them come into the office and meet with our recruiting team mm-hmm. so that we can make sure that. Both sides win in this.
1: Well, i got to tell you, years ago, in between some radio and television jobs, you know, um, in between jobs, I worked for a company uh, and uh, I worked in the sales and marketing division of this company. And I placed more people in jobs than they'd ever done in their history. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was fun. But I, you know, I'd be honest with these guys, get a haircut, clean up, get rid of that beard, do what you got to do. And I would send them three really qualified jobs where I'd feel bad if the other two didn't get it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because I think you've got to put your heart into something like that. I mean, you care about your clients like partners.
0: Exactly. And and so using your analogy, those three individuals that we cleaned up may be a perfect fit for company A, but those other individuals may be a perfect fit for company B. Right. And so that's why we want to have that in-person discussion with them so that we can make sure that we are sending them to the right person.
1: Now, what worries me is, Tucson. you often hear there's not enough jobs. Not enough jobs. We've got to leave. We've got to go elsewhere. i got a bachelor in this and an MP in that, an MA there, and I'm serving behind a bar. Now, is it getting better?
0: Well, I'm also a member of the Tucson Chamber. I'm an ambassador with the Tucson Chamber. And so I get to talk to a lot of business owners. Um, And that's one of the common themes you hear. Well, unemployment is less than four and a half. 4.9% 4.9% now, um, why do I need to use a staffing agency? Right. Well, it's because of that very reason. Um, the, the people who you may need are may already be employed somewhere else. And so a staffing agency will be able to help you find the best of the best.
1: So do you actually headhunt? We do. You So you, you take do. people away from people? So How we, does that measure up, though, in your partnership with them and you want a long-term relationship with the company?
0: How do you do that? Because just because you're with a company doesn't mean that that's the best fit for you. My goal was to help you find that forever job, that job that you want to stay at. Not just till the end of the week and you receive your paycheck, but that job that you want to stay at for a long period. Of yeah,
1: time. it's Jane Kathy, don't you think? And Paul, I mean, our day, maybe not Paul, he's too young, but in our day, we. Um, we well, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> uh, well, he's a baby, you put it that way. Um, but what I was getting at was you had to really sit in a job three to five years because if you moved too much, they didn't like it then. Now, from what I was reading the other day somewhere about. About, they expect you to leave every two years.
0: Well, you want to stay with a job as long as you're being productive and yeah. useful. And if you and, love and, and it there, and, why would you leave? Exactly, but if you're not, then you want to make sure that you take you make a move. You don't want to sit there for five years burning up your good brain cells if it's not going to be a benefit to you and, and the rest of the company.
1: No, that's the thing, and you want to be happy too, yeah. Um, so if you do go after somebody, I've always wondered how that process works. It's like being a detective. Do you follow them? Do you go to lunch with them? Do you call them out of the blue and say, I have a client that would like to talk to you?
0: you, What do you do? Yes, all the above. Um, So, uh, obviously, we have a a career site. We have a site, owningstaffing.com, where individuals can come to us, but we're also actively looking in the community for individuals that will meet the needs that we have open. Um, We post on all the job boards just like every other agency does. Um, But once you find that connection, and it could be someone that you met at lunch. It could be someone you met at a business meeting, um, and then you are able to place them And a company or with a client that's going to be a benefit to both sides of the team.
1: Well, that makes sense. That would certainly make sense. Uh, Trouvet, it's an unusual name. I know it's French for lucky find. How on earth did you come across that name, Paul?
3: Actually, one of the other people in uh, the business, uh, which happens to be my wife, she came up with the name. And uh, as you know, Mark, she's also Australian. And uh, she gets the sole credit for the name because once she discovered it and told us about it, it was a done deal
1: there you go well done the size of the small group travel industry is it growing smaller i mean have you experienced yourself um companies that really don't know how to do this properly
3: yeah i mean the travel market by definition almost is huge but the small group travel market is just a very very small fraction of that and there are other there are small group travel companies in the u.s but there isn't one that dominates the market. There is no Geico of small group travel, which actually is my goal. The first nationally known small group company in the country. If uh, we get that, I think we're doing okay. Uh, but as, And they range from uber luxurious to economical, somehow regional focus. Uh, so they have different takes on how they do it. Uh, but I wanted Treve to have a distinction to to be different and so that's why we have the three different areas that we're focusing on. It's not just the big trips because everybody frankly hmm. does the big trips. Hmm. That makes sense. Uh, but adding the day trips, and adding the B2B services, I think, helps differentiate us from the competition. And actually, it'll provide more stability down the road once all three activities Right, Right, once
1: they all kick in. Now, the other interesting part about this, Richard and Kathy, is not only is it unusual in every other aspect of the word what he's trying to do, but it's how he started the company. Do you want to share how all this has come about in reference to raising funds, where you're at now, and what the end goal is?
3: You know, this is my first experience in the startup business <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> ...universe, and it's, it's, wow, it's like the opposite of academia. Academia is calm, quiet, predictable, nice. The startup world is unpredictable, chaotic, hectic, uncertain. So I had to learn how to deal with that, which I think I have pretty well. Um, but we are in the process of going through a regulated crowdfunding campaign, so we're raising money that way, and uh, our goal is to raise $107,000 as soon as possible. And that's really, it's a, anybody really can invest uh, as long as you have meet the income requirements, which are not egregious at all, and it's a $200 minimum investment and you get uh it's a hundred dollars per share but 200 is the minimum and it's simply meant to get us operating funds so we can grow because really so far we've been bootstrapping the whole the whole company we've been we have two partners there's myself we have a partner in new york city we have sarah who does the admin and policy who's my wife and we have one trip host up in oregon who does our ireland trip And it's just us. And we had no initial investment other than our our own money. And getting enough business, we got a little bit of business loans, but it's certainly not a long-term thing. So we we need capital investment really to grow. So that's really the ultimate goal right now.
1: There you go. With small groups, expert guides, though, personalized service. And unique experiences that's enough in the model to make it work. We wish you well with that. And the other thing is this, though, considering, you know, how small and babyish you are, we talk about that. You still happen to win the 2018 award. That's the Reader's Choice Award for the Arizona Daily Star for the very best small group travel category. That's pretty cool. How about? Well, done. good Good on you, mate. (laughs) Very good. So, Kathy, you've traveled a little. What do you love about travel?
2: I love you know probably what most people love about travel is you know seeing new places, meeting new people um, really sort of the um, being able to see the society as a whole and be part of it you know and and the locations of course and I think Mark you and I had talked about specifically I recently went to Australia um, which was one of of my first trips far away. You
1: and Hubby right? Uh, Me
2: and Hubby and I yes Hubby and and I went Um, and it was really just a fascinating trip and I just loved it so much. I mean, it, it was just, and I am not a great flyer. So being on airplanes for long periods of time is really a little bit difficult to me. So I was nervous about that, but it was so worth it to get mm-hmm. to Sydney and to see the things that I got to see. And I love the people, mm-hmm. you know, I felt so mm-hmm. at home in the country. I couldn't believe that I had traveled halfway around the world to get there. You know, it was really just such an inclusive society and it was so beautiful and and I just got to see so many things. So I think that's sort of on the top of my mind right now because that was my, my most most recent trip and I know Mark being from Australia, he and I had run into each other and talked about that a lot.
1: Yeah, well I was sharing with you an exciting thing because uh, I love travel and I've always said of the 16 years that I lived in America, I've met so many people. I was talking to Kathy about this at a function who have said to me, God, I'd love to go to your country. I've always wanted to and then and I say, well, why not? Why haven't you done it? Oh, it's too far or the flight's too long or this or that. Then I explain it's not. They can go down further than that if you're going to Europe and going to Colombo or other places. But the reality is uh, they would absolutely love it. So I said to Paul, you know, Paul, I've always wanted to do this. Always wanted to take and show Americans my home. So I was very fortunate. He said, well, why don't we do it? And he's made me the ambassador for Down Under Tours. So that now, Richard, means you can come to Australia. Australia and New Zealand and the islands because we have beautiful islands, you know, off Australia. It's not all in the south, but not all in the Caribbean, you know. The South Pacific has lovely islands, and we hope to do a tour next year. Well, so, and so be one fabulous. of the things,
2: you know, speaking of Australia and the length of the trip, it was really sort of a, a tribute to how much I liked the country. Is that I said I would go back there in a heartbeat, you know, so the idea of being on a plane from 14 to 18 hours really was worth it to me Mm -hmm. to go through that, to go to Australia was really, you know, so.
1: so. So you went, what, you would have gone Tucson to LAX.
2: I went to, well, I went Tucson to Phoenix, and then Phoenix to LAX.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Just
2: because that's how the flights worked out. All righty. And Uh, then, yeah, LAX to Sydney.
1: And did you get a night flight, or was it in the daytime? On
2: the way out, we did. We left um, LAX at about 11.30.
1: That's right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love that flight because you get a lovely meal after you've been up in the air about an hour, and then all the free bottles of wine, if that you like, of Australian, particularly on Qantas. I don't know what the others do, but I'll have to find out. Oh,
2: it is. The others, too? All the drinks that you want, we had.
1: Yes. And add to that, Richard. You know, uh, if you like movies, do you like movies? Of course. Right. Well, how about movies that aren't even in the picture theaters yet? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You get to see them first. Mm-hmm. So you're going right. to tell me after three bottles of red, a nice meal, and three movies, you go to sleep. The next minute, they're tapping you on the shoulder, and you're flying over uh, the Harbour Bridge, mm-hmm. or something like that. And to like the that.
2: extent you're tired at all after having been on the plane all that time, mm-hmm. yeah. The excitement about landing in Australia and in Sydney seven in the
1: morning. Really Gives you, you know, yeah. you
2: have the jolt, you know, yeah. so the lack of sleep or the travel that way really didn't have any effect. Now, the way back is a little bit different, and that's a little bit tougher. Yeah, but getting there is just so exciting. You well, know, it, is. it is. My mouth was open the whole You know, from the time I stepped off the plane, <laughs> I was just agog at everything. Well,
1: You're gonna catch those flies, mate. You want to be careful,
2: <laughs> you know. And
1: you and you basically saw Sydney, correct?
2: Sydney, yeah. We stayed just in Sydney, um, and we were there from a Saturday to a Saturday, so we had. A week. I
1: had a week. And see, uh-huh. see what I mean? I mean, that's amazing. Absolutely. To go 13,000 miles for one, with all due respect, yes. lousy week. Would yes. you have loved a month?
2: For? Oh, I could have easily done uh, a month. Absolutely. Yeah. Easily.
1: Well, this trip next yeah. year, Richard, we're planning three weeks. Oh, wow. And it's going to be massive cities. You're going to land in Sydney, then to Melbourne, my hometown. And the, all these different cities have different things to offer. Culture, food, you name it, right? And the harbour, of course, the beautiful cruise around the harbour is mm-hmm. a stunning, right? And then we're going to go to Adelaide, which is the beautiful city of churches and museums and other things. But you go north of Adelaide to the Barossa Valley. It's gorgeous. It's the vineyards like your Sonoma Valley here, you know. And then up to the heart of Australia, Alice Springs. That's where the Uluru is and the Bungle Bungles and, oh, look, it's wonderful. And, and all the uh, Aboriginals dance and so on with their beautiful colors and it's, it's, it's spectacular. And then we cut across northeast to Cairns, not where they have the movies overseas in Europe. This is a different Cairns, C-A-I-R-N-S, <laughs> but it's the gateway to the Barry Reef. And you can fish and swim with the fish and you can go to the Coranda Railway. There's so many things to do. Then back to Sydney. But taking your leaf out of your book there, instead of flying all the way back to LAX, we're going to fly to Hawaii and have a break for a couple of days. Get our legs back and then fly into I minutes. think
2: that's really wise because right. the most move. unpleasant part for me was the trip back. That was really so tight. Yeah, t- and t- it's
1: tired because you, you arrived tired. Oh,
2: yeah. And but you right. had
1: a wonderful time. We did, we did. You know. But
2: flying during the day, you know, we came back during the day and so, you know, we left Sydney at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning and we got back to Tucson at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning oh, <laughs> and our bodies really oh, felt that. you know that right. the Well, the part.
1: daytime is the worst because you've also crossing the, uh, you know, the, the what's it called again? The Feline? thank you, yeah, yeah. and uh, that's it. So
2: the stop in Hawaii, I
0: give a big thumbs up to. Richard, have you travelled much? That this sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, three years ago, I, I was married to my my new bride here, and um, she convinced me to take a cruise. So we did the Royal Caribbean cruise. Oh, well, lovely, though, lovely. Um, did the islands, and that was my actually my first time really out of the country really um, and, and yeah. i have the bug now so we're planning another trip on it
1: all course. right well but you see, can do land and this, cruising yeah, you know i throw mean throw
0: this in the mix too throw is, it in the mix man yeah exciting. but i
1: love cruising my wife wa- met my wife on a cruise actually uh, um and uh, in the caribbean and uh, it was very, very nice. And I loved cruising. That that just got me, you know. But I do like to see other things. I like to mm-hmm. explore and I like to – I just don't want to stay on the boat all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And what does appeal to me now are some of those trips you see down the, the Rhine and what have you. But if you can get off and get a bit of history in there and, and really do stuff, that'd be fair. So there we yeah. go. I'm enjoying this travel show,
0: really. Mm-hmm.
2: Um. <laughs> <laughs> I won't talk about my seasicknesses mm-hmm. and my bad experience <laughs> of cruising.
0: <laughs> I, I had a wonderful time seven seven days, and we got off the ship uh, four four times during that, seven Mm -hmm. days. So it was really nice. Back
1: on the boring business, Richard, what is the best way for a potential candidate to learn about the current openings, perhaps, that you may have on your books?
0: Awesome question. So um, we have our our career site, com, and candidates can always go on there and click the Apply Now link, and they'll be able to put their information in there, and they can see what we have open, and we can reach out to them. Um, But also, we have an office right here on um, Speedway and Swan, and we're open Monday through Friday. They can stop by anytime and talk to myself or any of our recruiting team, and we'll be more than happy to take care of their staffing needs and their employment needs.
1: You're listening to Richard Phipps, Kathy Winger, and Paul Hardison, my guest today on Tucson Means Business with Mark Bishop. And, of course, it's coming to you on Tucson Business Radio X, America's fastest leading business radio network. And my studio is situated in the Stewart Title Building, the corporate offices on Broadway. 4.6%. Why use a staffing agency, says the gentleman. How do you answer that?
0: Well, since that number is so low, and since talent is so scarce, you want to make sure that you utilize your time wisely and not chasing after people that are not going to be a good fit for you. Okay. So that's why you come to us to make sure that we use that time wisely.
1: Are are more executives getting, you know, Fed up with trying to find the right people themselves anyway. they got more to do, right? They
0: are, exactly. You mentioned, um, Paul mentioned that he was spending a lot of time getting his business started. He doesn't have time to go there and look at resumes or to interview individuals. <laughs> that, that's very time consuming. Uh,
1: what geography does Onan cover then uh, in Tucson greater or where?
0: So we have branches from Florida all the way to Tucson. I'm the furthest south. But here in the, in the Tucson area, I take care of any, anything from Oro Valley all the way down to south of Tucson.
1: Okay, so it's quite a big area. Yes. And
0: all age groups? E- exactly. Okay.
1: Yeah. And you you obviously have to go out and hunt business too, so you visit a lot of companies, right?
0: That's one of the advantages of being part of the Tucson Chamber. You yes. You get to meet a lot of people that way. I'm also a SHRM member um, and on the Diversity and Inclusions Committee. Um, mm. And so just by networking with people, and I've been in Tucson since forever 1967 so you get to, to meet business owners and find out what their needs are and and spend time with them to help them be successful
1: interesting paul i'm interested from a business point of view because we touched on it before how does truve address the issue of um doing business for businesses to find out what they really want
3: well that you know the b2b aspect of the business is something that we're just starting so that's that needs to be developed but um Businesses, well, there are different ways we can do this. Um, It can, like you mentioned, it could be conferences or big events at a a different location outside of Tucson, but we can also help businesses in Tucson. And one example that comes to mind is companies like, let's say, Roche. They bring people into Tucson who are visiting, who are potential employees well, they often need somebody to show them around Tucson. Mm. Well, that's something that we can do. Right. So we have two day trips set up already. One's to the Sonoyta Wineries, one's to Kitt Peak National Observatory. What a good s- idea, science yeah. Focus. But we're also working on a very specially curated culinary day trip, which fits Tucson being a gastronomic capital, mm-hmm. that we're going to pick a select number of restaurants, work with them, work with their chefs, and develop special plates that the group will go visit over the course of a day right. and get to really experience the taste of Tucson.
1: That's so very good. That's yeah. Now, you mentioned before, it's interesting, because I know um, with your uh, uh, travel guests now and the trips that you're taking, they're not all out of Tucson, these PAXs, as they're called in the industry. These people from all across America.
3: Yeah. Actually, most of our customers so far are not Tucsonians. Um, Our main trip are people from around the country, from North Carolina to Georgia to Oklahoma. Um, And it's it's a very diverse group. And there's a reason for that though. One of the best things that I've discovered so far doing business is finding strategic partnerships. And that partnership was with the owner of GetMainLobster.com, which is a direct-to-consumer lobster company. And I've used their services. And of all things, I ran across the owner on Twitter. I was sort of hunting around, I was kind of stalking lobster companies, which is not something everybody does, um, but we struck up a conversation, told him about our trip, and he was, has been very gracious. We have piggybacked on his email marketing, and Mark Morell. he's an absolutely great guy. I met him for the first time when we were in Maine earlier this month. He was a part of our trip. And it has been a really fruitful partnership, and we're doing it again next year. First week of June, and uh, we're going to do it all over again. It was an excellent time. Yeah,
1: I'd let that, listen, I'd love to do that one, Kathy, I'd because I love lobster. Absolutely. And I've never yeah. seen the East Coast. Oh, that's a lie, Mark. I've been to New York, and I went to Long Island for a short visit. That was it of the East Coast. But I believe Maine and other beautiful places up north there. America's got a lovely, a lot of beautiful places Absolutely. to see and do. Absolutely. And I think once Tucson... Uh, Uh, The Tucsonans, uh, um, as I was corrected on once, I used to say Tucsonians like somebody else, but now I say Tucsonans because they rang me up on air, and I thank you very much for that because it was very good. You're not to know, being if it takes 30 years, you know, to speak the language here, and then 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 you're a local. (laughs) You know that, don't you? I do. I do. I'm not not there yet,
2: but I'm on my way.
1: (laughs) So tell me, Kathy, what are some questions that new business owners should ask their business attorney.
2: Uh, thanks thanks for um, bringing that topic up, Mark. Um, that's sort of a passion of mine in terms of business owners, new business owners. I love working with companies um, that are new and just starting. You know, I create a lot of LLCs, a lot of corporations, so I'm there on the ground floor for a lot of my clients. Um, so I think a lot about what sorts of things that I like to share with them and like them to be aware of, and I've sort of turned that into questions that they should be asking any business attorney, not me, but it comes directly from my practice. Um, And I actually, my website, uh, I have a blog where I write articles, and that's one of the articles that I wrote is, you know, four four questions you should ask your business attorney. So the first thing is always, you know, what form of entity makes sense for you? Should you be an LLC? Should you be a corporation? Should you be a solo practitioner? Should you be an individual? What should you do? How should you operate your business? Mm -hmm. In most cases, um, a small and medium medium-sized businesses, new businesses, opt to start out as an LLC. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's the entity that they create. Um, But it's not just a legal issue, it really is an accounting issue as well. And so I oftentimes will work with my client's accountant as to what makes sense from a tax perspective, from a numbers perspective, as to the form of entity or the the accountant will work with me. So we really do work as a team. So that's really the first consideration because you're starting your business. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to operate your business? And you want to start correctly. You want to start with everything set up legally, correctly.
1: You want your foundations, right. Exactly.
2: And so I like to get in on the ground floor to help my clients do that. Mm -hmm. The other things that I recommend that people think about are what sorts of risks are you going to be facing as a business? Because as a business lawyer, I'm really a a risk manager. That's what I do for my clients. I Mm -hmm. help them manage legal risks. You know, the goal is that legal risks don't destroy their company. Yeah, right. Um, out so, of jail
1: and, and, and my taxes is low
2: well <laughs> and, and, and lawsuits you know protect yourself from lawsuits, lawsuits and make sure you're operating properly so it's really managing those risks so and that's very business dependent you know what kinds of regulations are you going to have to comply with what you know are you going to have employees how many employees what do you have to do if you have employees so those are the general sort of legal risks that are out there depending on the type of business that you're operating mm. um, the third thing that I like people to think about, and again, this is an early on concern that I like them to keep in mind, is is your business going to have any intellectual property that you need to protect? Are there patents involved? Are there copyrights? Are you trademarking a name? Are you going, if you're not going to be doing it in the beginning, but eventually you plan to, there are still things that you need to keep in mind as you're operating, and you may as well start doing that when you start operating your business. So I like to sort of put that bug in people's ears even if they're not ready to address the intellectual property issue at the very beginning mm-hmm. and then the fourth one that I like to talk about and this is really I've run into this so many times with clients and people who have come to me um, is what kind of contracts are you entering entering into right. and how are you obligating your business because I can't tell you how many times people have come to me after they've already signed a contract right. and once they've signed the contract there is not a lot that I can do for them They're bound by whatever the terms are right. And more often than not They've signed a contract with Terrible terms from their perspective And they want to get out of it And they want to terminate right. it But the contract doesn't have any right of termination So I end up saying You know, if you had come to me Before you signed this mm-hmm. contract I would never have advised you to sign it You know, the, I right. would have, we would have negotiated Terms that were favorable to you So I like for people to be Conscious of the idea that when they're signing a contract, they're obligated by its terms. Mm -hmm. So I always advise have an attorney look at it beforehand and talk to you about it beforehand so that you can be clear this is what you're getting yourself into. Are you okay with this? Do you need to be able to get out of it? All of those things. And then along those same lines, in terms of the contract, and again, this is, I've represented businesses and been involved in business law for you know, more years that I really want to mention, especially after your comment about our age being the same. It's a beautiful yeah. day. There's blue sky.
1: It's sunshine. It's about 75. Yeah. In
2: but anyway, one of the things that I see when I talk about entities and creating an sure. entity, yeah. you know, it's a separate entity. It's not you. I'm Kathy Winger, and a separate entity would be KD Winger PLLC. Sure, the company. Sure. Well, when you enter into a contract, you want to do it in the name of the company. I have so many people or clients who. Right. So I create a corporation for them and then they give me a, co- a- contract to review and it's their name individually. And that yeah. defeats the whole purpose My of word, creating yeah. the, the separate entity. So those are sort of some things. Big things. And, you know, when yeah. when I was listening to both of the other guests talk about business owners are busy running their business. Business owners aren't busy thinking about legal issues that are out there and what they need to address. That's not their business. Right. I like to do that for them so that they can run their business and not have to worry about those issues, be protected Well,
1: needless to say, then, Kathy. On the other hand, in the second place, and furthermore, (laughs) when it comes to an operating agreement, a buy sell agreement, Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to look the other side. And if I was starting a business, I should come to you at that time before I structure anything, absolutely, so that it is correct. For Absolutely. people I'm gonna deal with at the same time. And the other right. thing
2: and especially with buy sell agreements, I work a lot with business who you know, businesses that are buying other businesses or businesses that are selling. You know, the beauty of having a lawyer is that lawyer represents just you. So their only concern is your interest and the protection of your interest and having the agreement effectuate what you want. Okay. There's such a huge value to that, especially when you're talking about, you know, another party selling the business mm-hmm. and you want to buy it and you're negotiating right. prices and terms and things like that. You want to have somebody on your team who, from a legal perspective, is going to be looking out for only you and your business legal interest. That's really well, critical. Speaking
1: of that, Paul, when it comes to travel, I mean, are there a lot of, uh, you know, open can worms there to worry about? I mean, uh, can people sue and do things if you don't do things diligently? Or did what did you go into when you started this
3: business? Yeah, completely uninformed. <laughs> uh, so actually, I'm actively uh, working with a, an insurance company in town right now to define a general liability coverage that we should have. So I'm doing that now. Right. So that's so good. But for our... That
1: exonerates you then, doesn't it?
3: Right. And for our international trips, we... As a part of the package, we provide travel insurance.
1: Well, that's a good thing.
3: So everybody's covered in every way possible. So Mm. if something happens...
1: Oh, that's that's good. I mean, it's business. It's uh, these are all the things that turn people off going into business. Absolutely. Quite frankly, Absolutely. you've got to do things correctly. Now we haven't got a lot of time left, so I must. I, I really do want to touch on cybersecurity. Yeah. Um, uh, data breaches. Why, why should business owners, uh, you know, be concerned well, so much? Well,
2: about Well, they should be concerned because they're happening so frequently, um, and there's such exposure to any size company that handles data on any basis. And the exposure is really in terms of data breaches and also in terms with compliance with regulations. And I was just thinking as you were talking, I don't know how your business works internationally or whether you market to international clients, but when I think of data breaches and when I think of regulation, I think of uh, the European Union's GDP, our our regulation, and the requirement that you comply with it, and the consequences Consequences of not complying with it can be very severe. And U.S. companies, depending on how they market and who they market to and how they serve, mm. can be covered by the regulation. And so they have to comply with that. And they might not know it. Because who who might think, you know, I'm a business in Tucson, Arizona. Why on earth would I have any concerns about the Europeans' yeah. GDPR? That's ridiculous. Well, when you look at the regulation, it reaches out. It looks to who you're Customers are and who you're advertising and marketing to. Because the point of these regulations and what's happening with the data breach regulations, they're trying to protect and they're looking at consumers and they're saying to consumers, your information has value and you have rights over your information. And we're going to enact these statutes especially the GDPR that gives you certain rights and if businesses don't comply with your rights then they can be held, you know, they can be penalized for it. And I even noticed just on the news the other day Senator Mark Warner, who is a US senator, is talking about a bill that he's proposing that would make companies reveal to Consumers, how much their information is worth, what monetary value they put on their information—that would be huge because that would be a statutory recognition of consumers having giving something of value when you just give your information, like your name, your address, mm, right, your social security number, all of those things. That. Prior to now, that hasn't been viewed as something of value that you share with a company. If it's something of value that you share with a company and a company has to say to you, this is how much we value, this is what it's worth, consumers are going to look differently at it. So that trend, the way that affects my clients and affects businesses all over the country and really all over the world is if you're dealing with consumers in other countries or other states, if they have these regulations, even though you don't – technically operate in those states, you may be governed by them. So that's the compliance side of what I do. The data breaches are really, you know, when you've had a data breach, what can you do beforehand to protect yourself if you have a data breach? To say, I did everything that I should have done. Mm-hmm. You know, There wasn't anything else I could have done. Everybody recognizes that there's no 100% protection against data breaches. But you have to handle information properly. You have to right. be careful right. with it. And so the data breach side of it is make sure that you're doing that. So if, heaven forbid, you have a data breach, you can defend yourself. Wow. Um, but the compliance is really the, the bigger issue that I see these days... California has a new regulation that they're coming out with. And, you know, I joke and say the GDPR came out and everybody was sort of like, we can't believe this regulation, this GDPR. And California said, hold my beer. We're going to make we're going to do our own regulation. And so it's just (laughs) while they go broke in the meantime. yeah, (laughs) Right. But further and further. (laughs) Well, let me
1: ask you this then, on closing on the topic itself. Does Arizona? Have any laws related to cybersecurity? At
2: this point, they do. They have what's fairly typical in most states. I think 48 out of the 50 states have data breach notification statutes. And those are um, statutes. Arizona just amended me, amended its statute recently. And again, you can go to my website. I've done an article summarizing it. kdwinger.com is where my website is. Um, they have one that addresses and deals with what you have to do in the event of a data breach in Arizona. Mm. The, the issue in that area, um, and, and sort of a huge problem or a huge obstacle, is the fact that there isn't any federal regulation. There are, as I said, 48 to 49 states that have their own data breach statutes. If you have a data breach, you have to look or have someone look at all of those statutes to make sure what you have to comply with based on your business. Kathy, so.
1: you're not too expensive, are you? Please... <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am worth every pen, Mark. <laughs> you can talk to any of my clients, and I'm sure yeah, Kathy, they would confirm it. Kathy, <laughs> KD Winger.
1: KDWinger.com. Yes, yes. And Kathy at KDWinger.com. Yes, Winger. you can com. follow me. Listen, one all... more thing. I'm
2: going to say one more thing before. you. Co- um, I try to keep people apprised of what's going on, especially in the cybersecurity area sure. with my Twitter and my website. So feel free to follow me. Things that I see, I try to get out that well, I want people to know about. i tell about.
1: you what we do with our guests on our show. Shows, uh, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to go through a list of all your social media contacts. We publish it all for you, Perfect. and it stays there forever. Perfect. So, Richard, you'll be up there with Onan. Uh, a quick one for you. Do you come into any of this rubbish at all to do with laws and thingos, for appointing people in jobs? or?
0: Well, it's interesting. So Did you, you just ma- call it rubbish? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. But you, you mentioned business owners having to look at contracts mm-hmm. to make sure that they, they, they sign and the, the, the contract benefits them. Uh-huh. Well, it's the same thing with employment, uh-huh. is that when you hire someone, you're making a contract with them. Uh-huh. So another service that we offer is payrolling, where we will actually employ the person that you want on our payroll and take care of their benefits and take care of of the HR side of it mm-hmm. so that you can then have a good time to, to determine if this is a good fit for you really and you may do that for three or four months <laughs> wow and then decide, yes, I've never heard of that before. before and that way you don't have to worry about that contract being a bad contract mm-hmm. you know at the end it's going to be a good contract for you because you had time to watch them every day
1: right well there and you I go and I
2: know you're being super careful with the information that you're sharing and the way that you're doing it to keep that data secure exactly no, good boy <laughs> My, you gotta my
1: in HR. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, idea. Oh, now, I like to close the show with uh, off the heavy business stuff and a little bit of fun. Uh, Paul, where did you meet your wife, the lovely Sarah?
3: Oh, you want that story, don't you? <laughs> no,
1: you no, I want one minute version of it. <laughs>
3: uh, right. Well, it's, it's all it's all good. Um, you know, the, the question of why would you by chance want to meet your spouse next door when you can meet – 8,500 miles away from where you live. And that's where I met Sarah through eHarmony.com. Isn't that a twist? I was in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and she was in Brisbane. Australia. Yes, Australia. And it was funny because within a week, it's like, oh, this is something good. (laughs) And so over the course of talking and video chatting, and we met for the first time in uh, Newark, New Jersey... And then in Hawaii, and then in San Diego, and then she had applied for her visa. She got it. She came. She stayed. She's here. They she go. married. So it, it worked out ridiculously well. I mean, Very it, good. Was crazy, it was kind of crazy, but was, it's was it been the best thing.
1: And what about you, Kathy? Where did you meet the better half?
2: Well, interestingly <laughs> enough, he I was in Philadelphia, and he was in Sierra Vista, Arizona. Uh, he's originally from the Philadelphia area, and through his mother, who yeah. is my now mother-in-law, and a friend of mine's sister-in-law, they found fixed us up on a blind date and he came back to Pennsylvania and we had the blind date and I will tell you I went on the blind date thinking this is the the best blind date in the world because if he's a loser he's in Arizona I'll never have to <laughs> see him again cuz I figured you know he, of course he would go be crazy he's about me yeah <laughs> he'd be crazy about me and I wouldn't like him and then I met him and within 5 minutes of meeting him I was like oh I'm getting married and moving to Arizona yeah. and within a year I was living so there
1: Apologize to him for your thoughts. No, you never told him that.
0: Did you? No,
2: I didn't. Ah. I'm sure he felt the same way
0: All right, Mr. Phipps. I think that's amazing. We all have kind of similar stories Um, I met my wife online as well Um, She was in Mexico and I was here in Tucson, Arizona and we corresponded for three or four months and finally met face-to-face at a circle k and Noga- i'm sorry at a mcdonald's <laughs> in Nogales, arizona i know that oh, mcdonald's wow. that, was, that was our first meeting and then we, we were together and we've been married for three years wow. coming up next
2: week
1: wow oh, yeah. isn't that fabulous that's marvelous three how'd wonderful you meet guests. your
2: spouse mark
1: as a matter of fact i was on a cruise <laughs> in the caribbean um i think i was 46 still never married minding my own business happy as larry and uh <laughs> bingo <laughs> the <rest is> history. <laughs> i went back to australia we said we you're not going to call, it's too late at night, the time changes and all this crap, we lasted two days. She flew out there and I, and I said, you know, I would like to come to America, but I've just started this company and I'd have to sell it and get rid of it and all that jazz. And then she rang again and I said, i tell you what, I said, um, I'd love to come, but you're going to have to come out here and dig me out the last three feet, you know. <laughs> And I think she got a passport in five minutes. I don't know <laughs> how she did it, but she did it. And she came out and uh, literally we packed everything up and, and that was it. We came back to America through Hawaii right. and uh, to Tucson and flew in over Tucson's industrial. I wonder what the hell I'd gun do. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, we went to F- Phoenix, lived there for 10 years because right. there were more business opportunities at that stage mm-hmm. years ago. And then um, back down under and New Zealand and the islands and Vanuatu and through our businesses and then uh, back to America where now we're two summons. Tucson, Correctly pronounced. Very uh, good. And it's a wonderful place to live. There's (laughs) no doubt about it. So, look, thank you. Richard Phipps is the uh, manager, the district manager, and the general manager, and chief cook and bottle washer, the whole lot for (laughs) Onan, staffing here in Tucson. You can get all these details. Lovely gentlemen and the great firm. If you're looking for a good gig, or maybe you need somebody for a good gig, uh, give Onan a shot. Have a look at their site and all their details on our site, TucsonBusinessRadioX.com. You will see it there. Just press the the actual banner for uh, Tucson Means Business. Kathy Winger, thank you so much for coming on today.
2: Thank you for having me. It was
1: lovely having you. Kathy is um, uh, she's a whiz, mm. uh, a lawyer, and and a specialist in cybersecurity, all sorts of good things. You're going to read about her. And katiewinger.com uh, is where you can start, at least with that one. Paul Hardison, the founder, CEO, and chief cook and bottle washer at the moment, along with Sarah. I mean, they're working their little backsides off, aren't you, building this company? And I'm very pleased, though, to announce that uh, Paul is actually going to be doing a travel show, and it's going to be called Trouvet Travel Talk. And it's going to be here on the network, and it starts uh, uh, when, well, I just did his first show recording, and, and it's, it goes to air now, as a matter of fact. Uh, but it's going to be interesting with the different people he's going to be having on talking about travel and their experiences, good and bad, uh, but what they've learned. That the whole show is about what people can learn from all the wonderful places in the world. And when, when you look at it today with online and everything, it's such a small globe, you and know.
2: Can you go to get that show on your site? Is that how
1: Oh, my word. and that- you can get it on your mobile- Get it on your phone. So
2: that's where you would go for Paul's show as
1: well. Oh, very much so, yes. Just just go to Tucson, www.tucsonbusinessradiox.com. It's a global print, it's heard all over the world. But not only that, we put the shows out on all of the podcast platforms, Mm -hmm. so it gets heard everywhere. So thank you, everybody. Wonderful shows. Lovely having you.